Welcome to the Liberated Latina Podcast, where we talk all things mindset, personal growth, spirituality, and business to live our most fulfilled and liberated lifestyles. I'm your host, Daisy Lopez, a former burnt-out financial services consultant turned mindset and business coach. I believe that we have a greater calling in life than just clocking in and out of a job and living for the weekends. So if you're ready, grab your cafecito because your liberation starts right now. Thanks, Pam, for coming on the show today. I am so excited for you to not only share your incredible wisdom as far as all of your experience in the legal profession, but your story as well. I think that the more that I got to know you and your story, the more that I saw such strength in you and such a big heart and the fact that you've been able to take your professional experience and use it for such good with your community is really inspiring. So I cannot wait for this community to hear from you today. Oh, thank you so much. Honestly, thank you for having me. Um, I love what you're doing in your platform. So I just feel really honored that I'm in this space with you. So thank you. Of course, of course. So I usually like to kick off these interviews with honestly, just starting with you and your story, growing up, the experiences that shaped you. Of course, we're going to definitely get into all of the amazing accomplishments and things that you do for work, but I really want everyone listening to get a really great understanding of who you are and your background and what formed you into the woman that you are today. So much. Um, (laughs) I know, (laughs) just casually. It's fine, whatever. (laughs) Um, Well, hi, everyone. Um, So I am Pamela. I'm an attorney, obviously, originally from New York City. And as you can imagine, I feel like everyone from New York, that's like the first thing they say. But yes, I, my parents and my family is Dominican, but I was born in Puerto Rico simply for the fact that my mom wanted me to be a citizen, which I I feel like I used to say that very, you know, matter of factly. But as I've gotten older, I, it makes me realize of kind of the, just the considerations you have to take when you are someone from another country. And I think it speaks to maybe some of the barriers the U.S. has and coming into the country and attaining citizenship. But so that she wanted me to be a citizen and we had um, some family members in Puerto Rico. And so she literally went from DR to PR, gave birth to me. And then shortly after um, we came to the city, the Bronx specifically, and the Bronx is where I was raised my whole life. Very proud of being from the Bronx. And yeah, I went to school in the Bronx up until high school. And I went to college away um, in Buffalo, New York. And I think going to Buffalo or coming from the city, you think I'm so diverse, like I am the most tolerant person coming from the melting pot. But in reality, you're in neighborhoods that look like you um, around the same people, which, you know, it makes sense why people do that. Um, But it didn't really lend me to being (laughs) exposed to a lot of different cultures, beliefs, religions. So I get to college and I think, oh my God, there's a lot of white people. (laughs) You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it was like a a different kind of culture shock, you know? I'm laughing so hard because (laughs) I went to to the University of Florida. It's in Gainesville, Florida. And I had the same thought. I was like, I'm coming from Miami. Like, I know what it's like to be diverse, but like Miami is basically Cuban Americans, you know? Then I go to Gainesville, Florida. I'm like, wait, what? I actually... (laughs) 
I was a little bit in my comfort zone too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, it almost, it made me realize kind of like, oh, wow, I don't know any white people. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so I get there and it was a little tough in the beginning for that fact. It was a huge school, like 30,000 kids. And I think it was just difficult for me to adjust in the beginning. But, you know, you find your friends and fortunately and unfortunately, most of my friends were all from the city. They were all people of color, which was great because you gravitate to what you're comfortable with but um you know i didn't i don't feel like i really expanded beyond that so you know i got to college figuring out what i wanted to do um my entire life basically my family has been like you're gonna be a lawyer you argue you're <laughs> sassy whatever and the whole time i was just like that can't be it you know <laughs> that can't be all it takes to be a lawyer so i graduated i took a year off i worked at a law firm it was a personal injury firm which i could not do, I realized, because it's very emotional, like, you know, dealing with people and their stories and injuries or, God forbid, deaths that they've had. And then the firm that I was working for, um, I was kind of like the the gatekeeper of the new cases. So I would have to, you know, go back and tell them we can't take your case because basically it's not big enough, which was really sad. And I was just like, I can't do this. You know, I want to be a transactional lawyer. Just, you know, give me papers. Um, I don't really want to deal with people's emotions because I just can't. Went to law school, graduated, took the bar, which is something that I'm very proud of. Um, not really because I passed, which was great, but because of the discipline that it really took to study for the bar and how I really did not speak to anyone for two months, really, just to study for that exam. So passing it was great, but like seeing my discipline like go to another level, studying for the bar was really just great for me. Yeah. And then I wanted to do entertainment law because I love, loved um, music and just that whole industry. But it's just a really difficult industry to break into in the legal side in general. Um, and I just, I needed to make money. You know, I wanted to take care of my family. I think that as a person of color, Latinas, it's just part of your culture to, whether your parents tell you or not, you, you know, the whole goal is to make a lot of money and take care of your parents. So I went into corporate America and kind of the rest is history there. I tried to get into spaces where I didn't absolutely hate my job. Um, and I did for a little bit, as you know, sometimes we do. Then I landed a job at an a, um, international law firm, just doing contracts and reviewing and negotiate, which I actually really, really enjoy. Yeah, and that's where I am today. But also... Did you, what did you major in, by the way? When, in college, did you study... Political science. Political science. Okay. Yeah, I was like, that's like the the lawyer track. So it really yeah. was kind of, you know, always in my mind. I just couldn't think of anything else that I wanted to do, um, which I think is unfortunate because I think at the time it was just like the very obvious majors like political science or if you wanted to be a doctor, chemistry or communications or things like that and I think now it's so great that people going into college they have so many options of just unique careers that you can pick right like um, just so many things so I wish I had had that when, when I was that age because you just get more options and you're not kind of thrown into these cookie cutter roles. Mm -hmm. I know what's really interesting for me is that yes there are more options However, I feel like even especially with Latinas or people of color, we are so dedicated to, like you mentioned, getting the safe job, making a lot of money and taking care of ourselves and our families. 
because it's it can, it's kind of expected. Like we're not putting our parents in a home, you know? Like, yeah, like, right. That's not happening. Parents are like, hell no. Mm-mm. So it's like it's part of our upbringing. It's part of our values. So we put ourselves in these boxes of, okay, I need to go down this track because this is going to provide stability and safety and income for me so that I can provide for other people. And I just did another podcast interview with my friend Drea yesterday, and she mentioned the same thing. She's like, I loved music, but I went to school and I studied business. And she's like, I just don't feel like we open ourselves up to these ideas of like, yes, we can go down a path that we're passionate about and we can find our space in unique areas and still provide for our family and still provide for ourselves it's all about like living in the and yeah it's not I think you're right maybe if I had more options I still wouldn't have taken them because there's that immense pressure from your family to do this thing and do it this way um so it's just difficult for us to kind of envision a life outside of that that's also lucrative you know whatever that means to you that also allows you like you said it's the and it's not one or the other so yeah i mean it's it, it's part of us as a culture um and it's it takes a really brave person to go outside of that norm not that we're not brave um but i just want to kind of give props for the people that do do that and they're in you know our culture and our community and you know dealing with their parents at thanksgiving every year is probably super hard because they're constantly you know when are you going to get a new job what is art why are you doing you know like all of those mm-hmm. things so it's just hard all around yeah it's it's especially with thanksgiving coming up at the time we're recording this thanksgiving is next week and it's like we already know the season of cuando te vas a casar y el novio like what are you doing with your life so yeah. we're preparing for that speaking of the and speaking of living yes. with the and i love how you have taken your background and what you're passionate about and the credentials that you do have that you work so hard to have and you're now utilizing that to serve people of color and providing them with a service that in all honesty is sometimes very inaccessible to them and not only inaccessible but intimidating for them so i would love to hear your story i know we've talked about it but i would love for the community on the podcast to hear what inspired you to start this venture of your own and serve the the community of people of color yeah, for sure. I think that's, like you said, this is my and, you know, I think throughout my legal career, although I I have liked, you know, the role that I'm in, I always was like, what else can I do? Like my my need or my desire to be an entrepreneur will always was always there, but I was always looking outside of the law. Like, what can I do here? Like what small business, you know, I've started a few of my own and it just goes to show you if you're not like a hundred percent in it, things fizzle out. If it's not something that you actually are passionate about. And I, I hesitate to use passion because that's like one of the buzzwords now, but um, I just, you know, I was looking outside of the law all the time, trying to see what I could do. And then this past year, honestly, has been 100% the reason that I am where I am even a few months after. I think after the pandemic hit, we were all home. Everyone 
was looking for things to do. I think I just saw just a surge in people trying new things. I'm home. Why don't I try this? And then we're hit with all of the racial injustice issues in America. And so, you know, I'm watching the news. I'm watching Instagram. I'm donating to the causes. I'm reposting. I'm having conversations with my friends talking about anti-racist work, all of that stuff. And none of it felt like it was enough. I was just like, what else can I do? I know that for myself, I have a child. My mother is staying with us while she was ill. I can't go out and be a protester, right? I don't have the skin that it takes to be, you know, in politics. And that's not me either. So what can I do? And I think one day I literally just had a light bulb moment. It was kind of like a duh moment. It was like, well, you're a lawyer. <laughs> like, duh. <laughs> um, and I just started thinking about in my life after graduating from college, how many people had friends, friends of friends had asked me, how do I start this small business? I have an idea. How do I create an LLC? Can you read this contract for me? I'm doing this deal with someone and there's like a 10 page contract that I have no idea what it said. And I think that it kind of took me two ways. One, it was Growing up, I didn't know any attorneys. And so these people, even though I don't do any of the law that they're asking me about, I'm the only attorney they probably know too. And then two, I was just like, well, why don't I, throughout the years, I learned so much in helping people. I was always like, if I don't know the answer, I will find it out for you. So I learned so much and knowing that there was this need, I was like, why don't I make this official? Make this a business for myself that I'm using my degree that you know, using all the skills that I've learned while also helping my community. So literally it happened over the course of a few days. I was like, well, I'll make a rinky dink website on Squarespace by myself. I'll figure out all the services I want to offer that I'm able to offer in New York because that's where I'm licensed and the ones that I'm able to offer nationally and just all of that. And I'm just gonna like launch and start putting information out there. And it really goes to show you how because I was like, well, I don't know anything about marketing or any of that stuff. And like, I think I've been doing this for three months officially. And I already have, you know, seven clients, which to me is huge because they all That's came incredible. to me. They all came through someone that they heard or, you know, so word of mouth in the legal community is important. I just love getting on calls with them. And even on my consultations, people that don't become clients in the end, people have so many good ideas, unique ideas, and even things that maybe you might think are saturated. It's them doing it. So it creates an, a unique experience. And I just, I get a lot of energy from that, from like entrepreneurs and small business owners, because they just want to do what they love. And like talking to people all day about what they love is very exhilarating for me. So I think in our community, it's important to have people in the legal profession that look like you as well. So that's really my soapbox that I stand on. You want to make sure that you are protected. And if someone looks like you, you know, maybe that'll make you more comfortable to work with them. So I just try to like push that and make lawyers and just the legal profession not seem so unattainable for our community. Yeah, for sure. And, and especially with entrepreneurs and small business owners, especially when you're getting started, like I know for me, like I knew I wanted to be protected and I knew yeah. I wanted to have my contracts in place from the very beginning. 
coming from like a regulatory background in the corporate space. But more than that, I was like, I want to find somebody that I can relate to and that I feel like I can share with them this incredible idea that I have in my mission. And they're not going to look at me like it's dumb. Yep. And I know a lot of coaches feel that way, especially if they're like, I'm, just, I'm a mindset coach or I'm an energy healer. And they don't feel comfortable going to a lawyer and being like, hey, this is what I what I do because it's like the stiff lawyer on, on the right. other end of the phone. Like, mm, I don't know. It sounds very woo woo. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, how do I mesh the two worlds? But I think to your point, it's so important to feel like you can have a connection with the people in your world and the people that are supporting you in your business. And you feel like you can actually talk to your lawyer and let them know what you really got going on and what you really want to offer your client so they can better protect you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's exactly one of the reasons why I offer free consultations for everyone, because I just want people to meet me and talk to me. You know, I want them to, I know that reaching out to an attorney can sometimes feel super overwhelming and you just don't know what you're going to get because you're right. We have such a reputation for being stiff and rigid and just unapproachable. And I, I get that. So I, I want everyone to take advantage of these consultations with no pressure of hiring me for anything at all, because I want them to meet me and I want to hear their stories and their worries and their issues that they're having because that way I feel like when you get that comfort level with someone who is offering you a service it's it's kind of a done deal after that in the sense that then they'll feel comfortable being like okay I can explain to her what it is I'm really worried about or what it is that I did that's not exactly legit yet um, because I didn't know you know I didn't know I had to have a separate bank account or whatever it is um, so I really stress those consultations. And if even if you don't go with me, if you meet another attorney, interview them as well, ask them questions, make sure that you feel comfortable. Because at the end of the day, people like attorneys and your accountants and all those people, they are responsible for very sensitive information, very important parts of your business. So you want to understand what's going on. You want to feel comfortable with them. And something that I find so unique about not just you as the attorney but you as a woman is that you mentioned when we were talking about like what we want to bring to the podcast you mentioned the importance of talking about patience and the mindset behind starting a business and how you also find yourself in a way coaching clients right like yeah. letting them know like you can do this like I know it's scary I'm in it with you I know it's scary I know it's it's a really crazy year to be starting something and, and it takes patience. And I love that you mentioned patience specifically because even though for you, it was like this super natural progression of like so many clients coming so like naturally to you for a lot of people they they freak out if they don't have this immediate boost. And it's so important that we do stay so patient with ourselves. So at the end of the day, we, if we have a mission, and yes, we, we can be passionate about it, but passion is kind of like a roller coaster. Yeah. If we just stay so committed to it and we can have that patience with ourselves that every single day we're doing the best that we can, that's all we can really ask for. 100%. So I, I just, I love that you bring that perspective into your practice and into how you serve your clients. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm very grateful for people like you existing in the world because <laughs> I want to be able to refer my clients because honestly, a large majority of the people that I speak with, I, I'm sure could benefit from some kind of coaching, business coaching, mindset coaching, both because I do feel like a lot of the times is me kind of having the conversation of, 
you know, you need patience, you need to put in the work. Um, I know that's another buzz phrase, but it's really what you have to do. I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that once they click, you know, publish on the website that all the orders are going to come in immediately and they're not going to have to do any like ad work or promote anything. Um, And then when that doesn't happen, because, you know, that's not going to happen, they get really frustrated. And sometimes I feel like they want to give up on their idea or I feel like they make a lot of excuses to say this is too hard or someone's already doing it or this look at my competition, look what they're doing, you know, all of those things. And I have to kind of like recalibrate them and say like forget about everyone else forget about what's going on right now like focus on yourself focus on why you started this why you want to continue doing this focus on who your customer or client is like that person needs you somewhere somehow so yeah it's not going to be immediate and you're right my story is it you know it's not common and it's definitely of course slowed down that was just you know i think launch and everyone's always waiting i think oh it's still amazing you know, like it's it's incredible and i think it really speaks to that intuition that you felt to start it because they were they were waiting for you and it was almost like your intuition was like hey they're there like <laughs> right, right. they need you right now yeah yeah and it's it's not common well i will i just want to you know say that so when that doesn't happen like i said i think a lot of people get discouraged and i always preach patience and putting in the work because you are not going to see any fruits if you're not putting in the labor right there are no fruits of the labor if you don't put in the work and it's difficult being an entrepreneur is one of the hardest things that i have ever done um in this short time and in other businesses that i've started um and i was talking to my therapist about it the other day and she was like when you start a business all of your like demons, so to speak, are going to come out. All of them. You think that it's like, well, it's just business. Like I'm just dealing with like numbers and selling stuff and marketing, but all of your internal stuff comes out. And I see that with myself. I see that with my clients, all of your insecurities, just a lot of things that you need to get past come up when you are starting a business for yourself, doing something that you love, you know, and that makes sense. So yeah. For me, patience, I preach that a lot to my clients um, and just putting in the work, making sure that you're taking the right steps that are going to set you off on the right path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. I love that you mentioned that because it is true. And that's why I, I love the fact that we're able to provide this more holistic work to our clients in our own individual ways, because yeah. it is true. And especially for Latinas, people of color, especially daughters of immigrants or anything like that. This idea of patience to the core goes against the culture that we grew up around, where it was like, hustle, keep going. Why are you resting? You didn't do enough. You need to keep going. You need to work twice as hard as everybody else to succeed. So you better keep going. So when we start a business, that energy, that hustle, you need to keep moving to survive energy that is so valid for a lot of our parents or grandparents, but for us, we're in a different phase, and but we still adopt that. And a lot of us tend to be box checkers. Like we grow up wanting to do all the right things. Yep. And when we start this journey where we're literally building something from nothing, to your point, it activates all of that. And we're trying to do this like hustle 
type of thing. And when we don't see anything happening and we don't have these results to be able to take back to our family or to our friends or to ourselves and say, oh my gosh, this is working. I'm doing it. And we can't check the box. It drives us crazy. And it drives us to think that we can't, that we don't have what it takes. Preach. Like don't have what it takes and we're not doing anything. It's almost as if your work is futile because you don't have, like you said, that thing to show for it. Here's how much money I made. Here is the clients, you know, whatever it is. And that's, I've never even thought of it that way. That's, it's brilliant because you're right. We, there's a lot of things that we have to unlearn when you are starting a business. If you're someone that comes from communities such as ours, it's all box checking. It's all what you did and like the output, what came out of it. So yeah, a hundred percent. You know what I'm so curious to hear from you? I don't know how you balance it all because you're also a mom and you have a full-time job that you're still working at and you have your business and you're serving your clients so powerfully and you're a human being. (laughs) And for me, I'm 25, almost 26. And I'm like, man, like I want a family one day. That's that's why I left corporate and I left consulting. So I was like, I cannot, I don't see myself raising a family traveling all the time and all that. But now seeing how much dedication, it's not really work. It's more like dedication and energy it takes to run a business. I look at you and I'm like, wow, I so respect that. So I would love for you to offer perspective if anybody's listening and they are a mom or they are still in their corporate job. How do you balance it? And I know balance is very elusive, but how do you create this sense of flow in your schedule while also being very present for your family and for yourself? That's, that's the million dollar question, right? I think before starting this business, like I said, I, I was in other small businesses and it, to be honest, it, it always felt like a chore. It felt very difficult. Like I had my full-time job, my son, my husband, my, you know, all of these things. And then I had this business that I was trying to put in the work for, but my heart wasn't in it. So now with this business, I think there is something to be said about doing things that you love and making the time for things that you love. However, that's not easy. It's not like, because I love doing this, I'm like, oh, time, whatever. I have all the time in the world. That's not what's happening. But I have noticed that there is kind of a lighter feel for me. I'm very big. I'm not a big sleeper, but I understand the importance of getting, you know, enough sleep because it affects me the next day and it affects my health and all of that. But now with this business that I love so much, I don't mind the occasional late night when I'm working on something for a client and all of that stuff. You just have to set your priorities as best you can and work through them. If my priority is for my full-time job, I'm going to stop at a certain time and then I'm going to spend time with my son, you know, until his bedtime. And then maybe after he goes to sleep, I start doing my side work. It's, it's really about, I think the key is staying organized. It's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be exciting. Um, But if you prioritize and stay organized, it just helps a little bit. And I also will say I have help. You know, I, I can't imagine when I first had my son after that postpartum period, 
all I kept thinking about was single moms. That's like, I was going through my own stuff and how difficult that was. And I just kept thinking about what are the, you know, these people that do it on their own, my mom, who was a single mom, how did I always ask her, like, how did you do this? I'm drowning and I have help and I have all this stuff, you know, how did you do it? And they just do, you know, you do for your kids what you can when you can. So I don't think that there is one way to balance it. But what I do recommend is trying to stay organized, trying to chunk out your day to just focus on certain things. Not always feasible, but my motto is survive, not thrive, especially during the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, especially I for this year. It's like, listen, we just need to get through A for effort at this point. I just need to get through every day on the day and tomorrow we start anew. Um, I journal a lot, which has helped me and just kind of grounded me. In the beginning of the pandemic, it was very difficult. I had no help with my son. My husband had to go into work. So it was just me working with, you know, a toddler. And it was very difficult to look at things and be grateful for them. But we have so much to be grateful for. So that practice of like writing down every day, three things that you're grateful for, three things that could have been better, because let's be honest, you know, you're not going to hit it every day. And then, you know, whatever you want to journal. But that's really helped me um, as woo-woo as it sounds. It really grounds me. And I get to forgive myself for days that are not that great and just say, tomorrow is a new day. Let's try this again. (laughs) So good. That's so powerful. You get to forgive yourself on the days where, it doesn't really go as planned and you start anew. Yeah. It's so powerful and it's so simple. But again, especially as as women and we see our our moms especially like dedicate so much to us. And that's what I hear from you and like from my mom too. Like she dedicated her life to raising my brothers and I. So we we get this idea of like, oh my gosh, but am I doing enough? Yeah. I need to live up to this all the time. Superwoman archetype that we have in our head. But sometimes it doesn't always pan out that way and this year showed us that it gets cray (laughs) and we can't always be the superwoman sometimes we don't have to be the superwoman sometimes we can just be the civilian let's get it through (laughs) and if it doesn't go as planned i love that you mentioned you just forgive yourself no big deal i'll start again tomorrow i can recommit tomorrow Yeah, like going on into the next day and thinking about all the things you wish you would have done the day before, it really doesn't matter. And I know that concept is easier said than done, but if you cannot change something, the best you can do is move on, right? And try again. That's all we can do. And that's something that you can translate into your business life for sure. No, today didn't go as well. Maybe I flubbed something. I didn't, you know, whatever it is, all you can do is be better next time. All these large businesses or very successful small businesses, whatever it is, they didn't start off from day one, hit the road running, super successful, doing everything exactly how they wanted it. It takes time. And that's another thing I just thought of that I talk to business owners a lot is, You may have a plan now for how you think things are going to go with your business, what products you're going to offer. But honestly, nine times out of 10, a lot of that changes. You don't know once you release a product, what if people don't like it? God forbid, you know, you have to pivot there. It doesn't mean your business is over. It just means you didn't account for some things or you can't control what goes on in the market. And so you have to have a certain level of resilience as well as patience to 
hold fast to your dream and don't let it slip away just because something didn't go the way that you thought that it would go when you launched or when you were writing up your business plan. So um, yeah, I just had that other thought. Things change and you have to forgive yourself in business and in life because we're not fortune tellers. So we don't know what's to come um, and we can't change things in the past. So good. Like even Apple is still coming out with new iterations of something that they've made for years. It's totally okay to take something and say, it's good. Let's make it better. It's good. Let's make it better. You want to be a business that learns and a human that learns and grows and is able to say, oh, I thought that was awesome, but you're right. Let's make it better. Why not? Why not always be evolving? If there's somebody that's listening right now and they're a new business owner and they're saying, okay, I totally get how having some sort of legal protection at my level is important. What can that look like for me? Let's, let's say a new coach that maybe has only had a few clients and she's thinking, okay, but, but how can legal protection actually help me run my business smoother? What would you say to that person? In general, they're I think people think that there's just one way to start a business, but it really is very industry specific. So with coaches, I would really think about your business from like a bird's eye view. Like what are all the aspects of it? It's dealing with another human, right? For sessions that are timed, for money, um, what can come up? Cancellations, rescheduling, you know, all of those things. So legally, the first thing I think of with coaches is some kind of agreement, right? And I know that that's difficult because it seems like such a personal relationship and you don't want to get all legal on them, but it's important. People are afraid of contracts and I love them because there's no better way. I think of contracts and a lot of the things that you set up when you start a business as like a set it and forget it kind of thing. If you have one solid, really good contract, if you set your your business entity up, um, if you get business insurance, all of these things, you set them up once and hopefully you never have to worry about them. You'll use them here and there, especially your contract, but it's not a worry that you'll have, right? So it gives you peace of mind as a business owner. So for coaches, I would think about that. Think about my offerings. Think about all the things that could go wrong, so to speak, and how do I protect that? And that's what an attorney is going to work out with you. I think that's why it's so important to have these consultations. And if attorneys offer like what I have kind of like a roadmap to what I think your business needs. This is where I think you need to be protected. Um, but for coaches, for sure, get yourself a really good ironclad agreement that's tailored to you, right? Because not all coaches are the same. You have different business lines, different ways you want to run your business, different ways you want to coach, different clients, different clientele, which you know can be very telling. So I would get yourself a really good contract from an attorney that you've sat with and explained your business entirely. What I do is I listen to my, my clients like business talk and what they're saying. And then I translate that into legal. Like, how can I protect this part? How can I protect that part? How can we avoid this from happening? So yeah, definitely contracts would be are huge, I would say in your industry. For sure. Definitely. And 
with coaches, we talk a lot about holding space for clients, right? Like we create this coaching container, whether it be a session or whatever, and we bring this, this client in and we want to hold space for them. And really the only way that we can create a really safe, clear container is to have a, an agreement that everybody has agreed to so that the client knows exactly what to expect from you and you know what to expect from the client. And to your point, we all want to operate it differently. And this is where I think it's so important to have a specialist look at your business and say, "Ooh, you know, this might be a little risky, totally cool, but let's have it in writing. Or have you ever thought right. of this? This might, you know, open you up to, to some other risks. Super simple. And we, it gets overwhelming if we try to do it ourselves. But if we can have a specialist look at our business and say, okay, this, this, and this, and this, to your point, let me translate it, Google yeah. translate into legal it's in paper and you don't have to worry about it. And now you can make sure that your clients come to your sessions feeling really, really safe, knowing exactly what's expected of them. And also that you get to operate your sessions feeling really safe in that space. I think it's um, twofold, right? Like you're operating a business, you are in a role that's um, you know, very caring and you are holding space for the client, but you're also running a business and you want to make sure that your time is protected, all of those things. And I think what you said is perfect. Um, it can be super overwhelming when you're just reading it yourself. And I, I know I've spoken to a lot of people that kind of when they start to delve into these legal things themselves, they get very overwhelmed and then they just say, forget it and they don't do it. And that's not what you want to do, right? You you want to hand it over to an attorney, a specialist, so that I can worry about all that stuff. And like you said, there are things that maybe I will think of that you haven't considered that I've seen and you know, other coaches or just something that I can think of that can happen. And because you're um, the business owner, you're the person that's in the business, um, you're not able to see all of those things. So you just want to make sure that you are as protected as possible. Yeah, I remember I was in the process of, of drafting like my general coaching agreement. When I first started, I was, I was about to launch my first ever challenge and my attorney's like, okay, you need to have some sort of contract when you start signing clients. And she was throwing out all these situations at me. I'm like, I was like, there's no way that's going to happen. She's like, oh, it happens. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Like what happens if somebody shows up to your sessions and then they just go MIA on you? What are you going to do? I was like, well, I have their email. What if they don't? respond to their email. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so it's, it's, like, uh, it's so much easier to have them deal with it. I'm like, okay, you, you've seen more stuff than I have. Please tell me what I need. Yeah. And we can imagine more things. We really are like doomsday preppers. Like, you know, there are, <laughs> there are just so many things that can happen. And I always tell people it's the moment where you think that's not going to happen. This person's not going to do anything. That's the moment where it happens. God forbid, you know, and you're like, crap, I wish I would have had this in writing. Um, yeah. I just, I really love contracts. I geek out over them because I just think it really <laughs> sets the stage for like a great relationship, business relationship, coaching relationship, whatever it is. If we put this down on paper, we both agree to a document that we're both comfortable with. That's it. We don't have to worry about it until something goes wrong. And then even then we'll be like, okay, well, it's in the agreement. Let's look at the agreement and see what's in there. Who's entitled to what, you know, it just makes things so much smoother. And I think that handshake deals are very common when you're first starting a business, which I get, I understand why, um, it's just not safe. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So before we go into our last question, is there anything 
else that came up for you that you'd like to share as far as your work that you do with your clients or any other piece of advice that you would have for new business owners that are listening? I, as far as new business owners and getting legal work, I always say, reach out. Like, I think people always have this conception, not just of attorneys. I know we have a rep, but also of like legal costs, right? Like this is hiring an attorney is going to cost me so much money. And that's valid because just historically legal, the legal profession, you know, the costs are astronomical. However, and not just myself, I've seen a lot of like-minded attorneys and colleagues that I'm meeting now and doing this work. A lot of people are, are working towards making this more accessible for small business owners, for regular individuals. So just reach out, ask them, you know, what their fees are. You never know. It's better than sitting there and kind of thinking of this, like these dollar signs going through your head of like what it could cost. You never know if they have other options for you. For example, to have a contract drafted by me that's specific to your business costs one thing, but I'm also working on having just contract templates that are drafted by me, you know, still a specialist, but they're a little bit more general and where you can input certain things. So I'll have, you know, blank agreement for services and then you input what your services are. And it's just a contract for services that says one person is buying something from the other person. This is how much it costs, all of those things. So you get to plug in those things specific to your your business and it costs way less than it would me actually going in there and drafting something that's a hundred percent tailor-made for you so and that's something that's very new contract templates there are a lot of attorneys that are doing now but it's very recent so it's just something that a lot of people don't know about so ask your questions do your research you'll never know until you ask so and the worst thing that someone can say give you a number is that you're like, oh, I can't afford that. And then, you know, you keep going to the next person and see. And I, I know I mentioned this to you before, but I also think it's important because this type of work is so important for your business. If you do get a number that you're like, oh, I trust this person. I really want to go with them. I can't really afford it right now. Save up for that. Make that like a line item in your savings goals, your business goals, because it's an important part of your business and you want to be protected. And the fact that you can't afford it right now shouldn't stop you from protecting your business because, you know, later on, if you don't do it, so many other costs um, can come up. I've said it, lo barato sale caro, like my mom says. So save up for those things that you want, that you need for your business. I love that you brought that up because especially during this year, I know there's a lot of people that have lost their jobs or they've seen lower yeah. sales in their business than usual. And I know that especially with the scarcity wound running really deep in us already, this year has kind of inflamed that. Not kind of, it has inflamed that. Yep. And there are so many of these costs that are part of business as a foundation and yep. legal or any other services that you're looking to support you, you can kind of feel like, oh my gosh, but everything's so expensive. And what I like to tell anybody that I'm on a discovery call with is like, I totally get it. There's no judgment in saying I can't afford that right now. Nope. There's absolutely no judgment in that. The question then becomes how committed are you to changing that circumstance because we're so much better than that circumstance. Like that doesn't define you as a human being. Yeah. It's just what's, what's going on for you right now. And that's totally cool. How are we going to change that? And I love that you mentioned that, like, just save up for it, make it a priority, make it a non-negotiable for you and your business and your peace of mind 
to know that one day I'm going to invest in myself in this way. I'm going to protect my business. I'm going to have a coach. I'm going to have this person. I'm going to have that person. I'm going to have a CPA, whatever you need to do to have your team set up to be able to grow your business. Cause we deserve that. A hundred percent. And it goes back to what we said about patience. You're not going to hire the accountant and the lawyer and your coach and get all your stuff, you know, launch day. That's unless you have like a lot of seed money, which, you know, can happen, but nine times out of 10, you're not. And that's okay. Don't feel like one, don't get discouraged and just say, well, I can't do it. So I'm not even going to launch anyway. Take the baby steps that you can. Like I speak to clients and they're like, well, I can afford doing my LLC right now, but I can't really trademark my name and trademarks are very expensive. Cool. These are the steps that you should take to protect your name while you save up for the trademark application. And I think even for me, that was, it was very difficult for me to set my rates in, when I started this because I was like, I want to be super accessible to everyone. You know, I know how much this is. I researched all my other competition for small business attorneys and I like slashed them in half. And, you know, there are times still people that can't afford it. And it, it just, it's still difficult for me because I know that small businesses are struggling. They don't have a lot of money to begin with, but I think the same thing you said about small businesses, you deserving it. I have to think about that as well. Like I have experience, I'm giving of my time, you know, and if you just reframe it for people and like talk to them about commitment and saving up for it, then, you know, then I think it works. Then I'm paid for the, the time that I'm spending with them and they're getting, you know, adequate legal services for me, which is, you know, what I want to offer them. So and it's stuff that they can take with them for years and years to come. Like to your point, if your contract yeah. is solid, you're going to have that baby for years and yeah. years and years and it can grow with you. It's not like you have to start from scratch every time. Exactly. So, and you'll get yeah. more comfortable with it as well. Even not being an attorney, you'll know your contract from scratch. And if there are like things you need to tweak that you're like, oh, that doesn't really make sense. Um, uh, I don't recommend too many changes once it's been like, you know, drafted, but mm-hmm. you'll get comfortable with it as well. Like you said, you'll, it'll grow with you and your business. I really honor your, your honesty when you said that you had some resistance come up when you were setting your rates. And that's pretty common. I hear like on social media, if service providers have a niche of people of color, they're like, well, then I can't charge too much. Yep. And I get that. There's a fine line. There has to be accessibility. There has to be maybe a more affordable option. But at the same time, we as a community are so resourceful. Like, look at where we come from. Yep. And I always have so much belief in anybody that I'm on the phone with. Even if they say I can't afford it, I know that we are so resourceful. And when the time's right, the funds will appear and the investment will be made. Because especially what you offer is so valuable and it's pretty timeless. Like it's something that I believe every business owner needs and it's something that is so worth the investment and it can grow with you as your business grows or even for coaching or whatever. It's, it's such a, it's such a personal investment. And of course we can go into like this whole topic of how we're not trained to invest in ourselves without the discussion for another day. But it is true. Like we, we can have a fine balance of being accessible to our community that is working to grow and at the same time have this deep-rooted belief that we are worth our rates because we do bring something to the table and the people that we serve are incredibly resourceful and they will make it happen when they're ready. 
It, it, and it's tough because if I'm going to be, if I want to be an advocate for people of color in our community to make sure that they're starting these businesses and, you know, attaining generational wealth and all of that stuff, I also have to advocate for myself because I'm a person of color in this community. And I remember reading something um, online that was like, if you are not charging your worth in your fees, you're contributing to the pay gap in women or something. It, you know, it was very intense, yeah. but it's true. It, it immediately when I read that, I was like, okay, I need to stand firm in what I think are reasonable fees and not apologize for them because I am doing good work and I do have the experience. Um, and you're right. We're super resourceful. When the time comes, the money will come, you will save for it and we'll get to work with each other, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. If we can't value ourselves and there's no way that we could give permission for our clients to do the same for them. It's like, I'm underestimating myself. I'm undervaluing myself. So then how can I tell you, no, you need to charge appropriately for the value that you provide. It's like, right. well, I'm not I doing sound? it for myself. Right. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. I honestly could talk to you for so many more hours. Me too. Um, You're such a warm light. I feel like whenever I talk to you, it's like a warm light giving me a hug. I, I lo I'm loving this. Thank you so much. I'm like about to tear up. That was so good. <laughs> That was so nice. Thank you so much. Um, so last question. I always like to ask this to my podcast guests. What does liberation mean to you? That's a good one. <laughs> Honestly, right off the bat, to me, liberation is a mindset. I don't know if anyone else has said this, but I think we view liberation as like, when I quit this job, I'm going to feel liberated. When I start my own business, I'm going to feel liberated. When I pay off all this debt, buy this house. And I'm sure that you will, but I, I don't think that you truly achieve that until your mind is liberated, right? And I think it's everything we just talked about, like unlearning certain behaviors, um, being happy with yourself, all of those things lead you to this like mind liberation that I'm like picturing. And once you have that, then everything else is fine, right? Like you can work at a job that maybe you're not happy with if your mind is liberated and if you're at peace and if you're finding joy in other things outside of work because you know you have to work this job for whatever reason then you know it's fine if you are in a sucky situation when you have a positive mindset which is what i associate with you know being liberated everything else kind of just falls into place and you're able to frame things differently i'm really huge on like reframing things because it's very easy to be like I'm broke. I hate this, but you know, blah, blah, blah. But you can also be like, well, I have my health. And like with this crazy ass year, at least I have a job, <laughs> you know, like it's about reframing, which again, easier said than done. But I feel like when you're able to achieve that more times than not, then that's when I feel really liberated anyway. Snapping on the other <laughs> side of this. So good. I love that response. Where can people find you? Because I know that so many people are going to listen to this and be like, I need this woman in my life, in my business. Aww. Where can they find you? The easiest way is my Instagram, P Rosario Law. Um, I say that because my email is linked there and I have a nice little checklist for all new businesses that I created that you can just click up and sign there. You can look at that checklist and maybe that'll give you the oomph to want to reach out to me or to any other attorney um, as you go through and see what you need. So yes, at P Rosario Law. 
Awesome. And I'll definitely have all your links included in the description in the show notes. So you can just go down there and find her. Pamela, thank you so much. This was incredible. And I know that so many people are going to benefit not just from the work that you do, but from hearing your story and creating this connection with you that you were so willing and open to sharing here. So thank you. This was lovely. Thank you again for having me. And you're the best. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hey, amiga. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I'd love to feature your review live on the air on the next episode. Yes. All you got to do is head on over to iTunes, drop a review, and let me know what you're most enjoying about the podcast. También, be sure to subscribe to get first word when a fresh episode drops. Your support means so much to me, and I can't wait to share more with you on the next episode. See you then.